them against each other. Both of them are in their opinion. Their time over those two days was spent locked in the hotel room, ordering pizza and Chinese delivery, both thinking and wondering what their next move should be. Oh, how sour their little adventure had turned. Toward the end of the second day, it was Nathan who began to cave. His thoughts began to turn to continuing his relationship with Debbie. Did he want to lose her? The answer he absolutely decided was no. That didn't solve the problem, though. One of them was going to have to give in, and he began to think more and more it was going to be him. It came time for consistency, too. They couldn't just keep sitting there, locked in a hotel room. He thought about how to approach her. He wanted to tell her that he would support her in her condition, but at the same time, he wanted to say, Faith, no one wants to come out the loser, right? When it came to the particular decision, Nathan sort of saw himself that way. Debbie was really putting everything on the line in defense of what she wanted to do. Debbie won. Nathan zero. He got a pitch of dope and started it. His mouth was really off and on from the heart of the suspect. Thank you. 
question that's on the list. Illinois had no parental notification law, but she was three hundred dollars and there was an appointment available at ten thirty that morning. He set the appointment, got directions to the clinic, and called a cab. The clinic was located in a crowded two-story building that appeared to be more of an office park than a clinic. Once inside, they realized that is really what it was, an office park. The building directory was located next to a bank of elevators. Brass doors opened and shut from the two elevators behind them and the two on either side of the directory. The ridiculousness of elevators in a two-story building escaped them. Their minds were too focused on the task at hand. Debbie found the desired location first and pointed to it in the directory. It simply read, Lance Bucket, MD, Suite 2666. Both of them were nervous when the extremely slow elevator finally came to its resting place on the second floor and the brass doors studded and clanked as they opened. A quick survey of the suite numbers on the doors indicated that their destination was to the right. They went that way and found the doctor's office in the very last office on the right. The sign on the door had the number 
your bad case of acting. You're here for a termination, she asked, waiting to come Debbie turned her head just in time to see the other people in the room duck their heads as they pretended not to hear. Yes, she said quietly. Okay, well, fill out this paper for me. The girl handed Debbie a clipboard that contained what looked to be a three-page form on her medical history. Do you have a pen? asked Debbie. No, people keep stealing them. You didn't bring one? asked the girl. Excuse me, but I have one. The with the child was mercifully coming to their rescue. They sat down to each other in the following chairs, and Debbie answered a variety of questions on the form about her period and her sexual practices. It was humiliating to say the least. Just about the time Debbie finished the questionnaire, the door that had led to the clinic portion of the office opened and out stepped a young girl. She couldn't have been more than 13 or 14. The woman on the couch with the child quickly stood to greet her with supporting arms. The girl was having trouble walking. Are you okay, honey? She asked. Yes, Mom, said the girl. Her brown hair was matted like she had just gotten out of bed. Her eyes were bloodshot and red. Nick and Debbie looked at each other with surprise. They both had wrongly assumed the older woman was there for the same reason they were. The other young girl sitting on the couch with her boyfriend asked point blankly, Did it hurt? Not much, said the young girl. They'll give you something for the pain. Sissy, said the toddler, happy to see his sister. Debbie watched the girl's mother put her payment in the girl's hand like she just bought a prom dress and phone. The sight was pathetic. Next, the door opened and the nurse appeared crying from the destination. The girl and boyfriend both went into the back, but the boy quickly came back out. He looked at Debbie. They won't let me stay, he said. Why not? and put on the hospital gown that was handed to her. The nurse asked Debbie to wait for the doctor, and as she did, she focused on the weird picture of the clown. It had a white face with big red lips and a big fake red. 
and looked more like a mechanic than a doctor. His hair was going from gray to white, and his face was worn and wrinkled around the eyes and mouth. He was thought that something was really bad and smelled of nice to one. He told her exactly what the procedure was. It was like a vacuum cleaner that would be put inside of her to remove the pregnancy. He explained the pain medication they would use, and that they would be using an ID to put over sleep. He then explained the post-operation care that would be necessary. With all of the explanations in place, he asked if there were any questions. And Debbie said there weren't. And the nurse, who had been previously unnoticed, was standing in the doorway holding a pill cup and a dixie cup with water in it. So relax, and before we start the ID, it takes you to the room where we'll do the Debbie gladly took the pill and chased it with a single cup of water. Lie up there and relax, and I'll be back in just a bit, okay? Asked the nurse. Debbie nodded yes and did it with that. The nurse turned off the light on the way out of the room, leaving Debbie alone in the dark. She almost immediately started to feel the pill's effect. Her heavy eyelids felt as if they were impossible to keep open. She slowly let the medication take effect by gradually giving up the fight of its suddenness. She was asleep but aware. Her body was immediately found in that familiar darkness that had so many times led in her dreams. The face 